Good morning. Um, it's been a privilege to uh, be a part of the gathering these past 10 months or so. Um, you guys have been gracious and great. Um, I enjoy just being a part, a member of the body of Jesus Christ uh, and encouraging us to all do our part to serve in our community, um, to reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, our text this morning is going to be Mark chapter 8. Uh, we'll be looking at a, a, a weightier text. Uh, it'll be Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through to 38. And I will read that portion of scripture now. You can follow around uh, along with me. Uh, and Jesus went with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say? that I am. And Peter said to him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And they began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And turning to seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. The, the audience that Mark is writing to would have been all too familiar with crucifixion, uh, this Roman means of execution was meant to be uh, a public example. Um, crucifixion was often to make an example of those who were opposed to the uh, occupation and the laws of Rome. Often one sentence would be constrained or forced to bury a portion, if not the entirety, of his cross to the, point, to the place of his execution. This is done so that the last act of that person is obedience to Rome. Jesus calls, take up your cross. It's a call to, forfeit, to forsake the wealth, the honor, the approval, comfort, and safety of this world. And in its place, embrace opposition, shame, suffering, and possible death that comes with following him. Cross-bearing Christians are fully committed to Jesus, whatever the cost. You've heard it said that love can make a man do crazy things. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I, I hope to know someday. Uh, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Uh, the cross was Jesus' ultimate act of love for mankind. 
Jesus treasured humanity enough that he was willing to sacrifice himself for us. The innocent died for the guilty. He valued us. He esteemed a relationship with mankind more than his own life. If someone was to examine your life, what would they perceive the, fa- the value of Jesus Christ to be? When you're a cross-bearing Christian, the love you have for Christ is on display for all to see. It is unmistakable, and it cannot be hid. Uh, in the next couple of minutes, we are going to be observing um, three attributes of a cross-bearing Christian. There are many, but our text highlights three, and we want to focus on those this morning. Our first attribute of a cross-bearing Christian is one who is mindful of the things of God. We find this in our text in verses 31 through 33. I'll read it again. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and and began to rebuke him. And turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. Just a little while earlier on their stroll to Caesarea Philippi, we see Peter rightly proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God. What brought about this quick turnaround? Just four verses later, we see Jesus rightfully rebuking Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You see, the Jewish people were in bondage to, were, sorry, in bondage to Rome. Uh, they hadn't been free for centuries, going back to the rule of Assyria and Babylon and the Babylonians. Thus, many devout Hebrews believed that Christ would come and free them from their physical oppression. Their focus was on their physical condition, and it caused them to misinterpret the writings of their Holy Scripture. In Peter's case, his desire to have a significant role in the liberation of his countrymen and the expected earthly kingdom that would be established uh, by Jesus caused him to err. He mistakenly opposed God's plan of redemption for mankind. He was used by Satan to further tempt Jesus to not go to his cross. A cross-bearing Christian is mindful of the things of God, not man. Like Peter, if we focus on our own physical condition, our own physical needs, we can ultimately find ourselves in opposition to God and even wondering how we got there in the first place. The world today is full of distractions. We can choose to chase after possessions. We can choose to chase after the, appro- the approval of others. We can go for uh, chasing esteemed positions and quickly begin to compromise our Christian integrity. It's a daily battle. I'm reminded of um, Romans 12. 
Paul in this, this great book all about the salvation of mankind and the doctrine that's there. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. I love the King James here. It says, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you, by testing, may know and discern the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. The English really doesn't do the Greek justice in this text. In the Greek, uh, Paul's writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit uh, would read something more like this, be being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Paul is emphatically saying that it's going to be a daily struggle. It's going to be a constant thing that you are going to have to daily be renewing your mind, not focusing, not conforming to the ways of the world, but living, breathing, reading the Word of God in prayer, in meditation, focusing on Jesus' plan, Jesus' will for your life, and you're able to discern it when you are rightly renewing your mind daily and focusing on Him. Are you mindful of the things of God? Attribute number two, a cross-bearing Christian has a heart to pursue the things of God. Verse 34, and, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Picture it now. Jesus is calling everybody to gather around. This is emphasizing that what he's about to say is of great importance. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. At this point in your life, you probably had an authority figure say it. Do as I say, not as I do. Kind of a letdown, isn't it? <laughs> Here Jesus is saying the exact opposite. He's saying, do as I have done. Follow me. Hebrews 12, verses 2 and 3 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured uh, from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Did you catch what was in that text? The Bible says very clearly that it was joy for Jesus to lay his life down for mankind. His love for mankind compelled, compelled him to suffer on the cross. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and has become the founder and the perfecter of our faith. This word is, is, is really, really cool. Uh, this this um, captain of our faith is a Greek word, archagon. Uh, it means the forerunner 
of our faith. You see, and Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done. He's already laid his life down. And he's saying, in light of that, I have prepared the way. Think of uh, uh, snowfall in the north. They have to have a special plow on that front train. And it shoots snow all over the place. And everything after that, every car is allowed to go by. Why? Because that plow already came through and paved the way. Jesus Christ paved the way. He is the founder. And then the perfecter. He makes it possible. We love God because he first loved us and he gave himself for us. God's grace calls you to suffer and it may even call you to wait, but it never calls you to stand on your own strength or to stand alone. Jesus' call to bear your cross is universal for all Christians, for all disciples of Jesus Christ. But the truth is, I can't tell you what that looks like for you. It is both universal and it is personal. For some, following Jesus Christ uh, may mean the losing friendships that you value very, very, very dear. For others, it's missing out on that promotion because you refuse to work on Sunday. It may mean driving a car that you'd rather not because you're meeting your financial commitments to church. That got a laugh. Uh, <laughs> I know. Um, one day. Uh, yeah, I, it, it could mean being a nursery worker and changing those disgusting diapers that nobody wants to change. That might be your cross to bear. Um, yet for others, it's much more serious. Committing to follow Jesus Christ, committing to be a disciple may mean ostracized, being ostracized from your own family, being outcast. And yet even worse, as we found in some places, converting to Christianity is an offense punishable by death. Today, in our world. I don't know what bearing the cross looks like for you, but Jesus Christ makes it clear. Those who are cross-bearing Christians, will pursue the things of God. They will commit themselves anew, discern the will of God, and follow the will of God. Jesus says, follow me. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 5 here. Um, the early church is thriving. Uh, people are being converted rapidly to Jesus Christ. The Jesus movement is in full swing. The Jewish leaders are then uh, stuck. They're trying to figure out if they don't do something, if they don't act, they fear they're going to lose uh, their following. They're going to lose their, their, their crowd. Um, and the Sanhedrin, they get together and they collect the apostles who are turning the world upside down. And when they had called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And when they left the presence 
of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day and in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease to teach and preach that the Christ was Jesus. And here we have a great example. The apostles then counting it joy to suffer for Jesus' sake. There's a goal. Reach the point in your Christian walk when persecution comes, we rejoice. We know that we've been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. It says that they did not cease to preach from house to house. They did not stop preaching that the Christ was Jesus. Anyone know what happened to the apostles? Well, Peter was hung upside down because he refused to be crucified the way his Lord was. All but one of the apostles was martyred. John alone was left to write some of the last books of our New Testament. And he himself suffered great persecution, actually sentenced to death and tried to be put to death and and somehow miraculously survived by the grace of God. something to think about. You see, I loved what we sang here this morning. The the selection of songs was fantastic. The grave couldn't hold him. Death's defeated. The victory's won, right? These are are things to celebrate. Uh, So bear your cross. Be mindful of the things of God. Secondly, have a heart to pursue the things of God. Our final attribute this morning, a cross-bearing Christian embraces the ransom paid on his or her behalf. Verses 35 through 38. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Our next two verses are rhetorical questions. Um... When a rhetorical question is being asked, the teacher or author uh, is expecting you, the reader, to answer the question, to supply an answer to the question. That ends up turning the question into a statement of fact. So allow me to use the next two verses with a statement of fact. Verse 36, for there is no profit in gaining all the money honor, approval, comfort, or safety that the world has to offer. Why? Because you cannot buy a soul out of hell. Verse 37. For a man can give nothing in exchange for his soul. Verse 
Jesus paid our sin debt. As I said, the righteous died for the guilty. His righteousness is imputed to my account. For even the Son of Man, in Mark chapter 5, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Jesus gives a very, very stiff warning here. If one claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ but is ashamed to identify with him and his teachings, desiring rather the approval of a sinful and adulterous generation, he will miss out on the glory that is to come. Jesus says, if you are ashamed of me and my ransom that I, and the ransom that I paid for you, then sadly, there is no ransom. A cross-bearing Christian embraces the ransom that's been paid on his or her behalf. They count it joy to suffer for Jesus Christ. It was almost unheard of for a Roman citizen to be executed via crucifixion. Jesus' call to bear your cross is a recognition that we are not citizens of this world. There's an old hymn that says, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Jesus bore our cross. Jesus paid our sin debt. He bore his cross to Calvary. A cross-bearing Christian is fully committed to Jesus Christ, whatever the cost. Missionary and martyr of the faith, Jim, the, Jim Elliot said this, Hugh, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your grace. I do thank you for the ransom that's been paid on our behalf. I pray this morning, um, as we looked through this text and we um, observed what it is to truly follow you, that... Um, in your Holy Spirit, you would give us um, a heart to follow you. That we would be mindful of the things of, of God. That we would pursue with, a heart, with our heart, pursuing the things of God. And that we would rejoice in the ransom that's been paid on our behalf. Lord, I pray for um, the elements that we're about to observe now. And I pray that it would be a time of reflection, a time of remembering um, 
the sacrifice that was paid on our behalf, knowing that you did not stay in the grave, that you claimed victory over death and hell, and three days later you rose again. We look forward to the glory that is to come, celebrating with you in eternity through the shed, all made possible through Christ bearing his cross, dying for us. I praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.